0: TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the 5 Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I am Mags and uh, yes with me today my son... Carlos, Carlos, how are you? Well, not too bad, hold yourself. Yeah, not too bad. Um, it, it's literally four o'clock in the morning. We've just finished watching uh, UFC uh, Vegas 9, UFC Apex 8, UFC... <laughs> on ESPN 472, all the names that they keep giving these shows. Uh, it's basically UFC fight now Overeem versus Saka. Um A very, uh, a very changed around card at the at the last minute uh, for for this. Uh, with the the fight with uh, Ricky Simon uh, getting cancelled because of his co- uh is a uh, cornerman getting COVID. It kind of threw um, the whole card for a loop really. So instead of getting um a prelim and uh a main card as we would normally do the UFC and ESPN kind of made the decision to make the whole show a main card uh which means we would have uh seven fights to go through so in a kind of change to how we normally go about this on on five rounds uh we're just gonna basically talk about the three big fights on the card um and and just quickly run through the rest uh uh, as, as we would with the prelims so uh, we start for the card with Hunter Azure picking up the decision in the weights against Cole Smith and then in the women's flyweights we had Vivian Araujo um, picking up the decision against Montana Della Rosa in a very one-sided fight uh, lots of blood and guts in that fight then uh, uh, what we originally would have been the main card we started with two first round submissions one first in the featherweight with Brian Keller uh, picking up his uh, his third win in in uh, 2020 out of four fights, and then uh andre moon is uh subbing uh bartos fabianski in the first round as well um so going on to the uh, the three facts that we we are going to cover uh we started with uh, michelle Pereira. uh he obviously has the is the very flamboyant uh fan milway oh sorry welterweight has a, just an over-exuding amount of confidence and uh, it's, it's, it's almost comical because this is a guy who's lost 11 fights in his career. He shouldn't have this amount of confidence, but since since he really kind of started to, to uh, make waves in the UFC, his confidence and his skills are kind of lining up a lot more. Uh, he took on Zelim Im- Imadiev and... Um, it was a very, very one-sided fight. Um, how this fight got out of the first round is is unreal, and it it, it can only go down to the showboating from Pereira. Uh, Pereira just he's got this lightning-fast accuracy with his shots. Uh, he, you just can't see him coming, and and. Basically, all the way through all three rounds, he was just picking his shots off as and when. Uh, Imediev uh, started off quite, uh, quite fresh and quite aggressive, but once, um, once Pereira started landing those knees, and I think they kind of shocked uh, uh, Imidyev, um The first knee, especially, you can see how it. it, it it knocked him back and he was kind of trying to shake it off, trying to um act like the like like most UFC fighters do, like it didn't affect him when it really did. And that kind of give uh Pereira the momentum. Obviously we know that there was a lot of heat backstage, there was some pushing and shoving in the weigh-ins, so there was no love loss between these two fighters at all. But it this was as one sided a mauling you could you could really think of in 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 terms of UFC. Pereira is just the shots. Were, he, he's so dynamic, and you can understand him being so confident because he knows he can land the shots. It we was uh, a lot of showbotting a lot of kind of putting the handcuffs on, kind of like sticking his chin out uh, and going through the fight He just he was picking apart him and you could see the. Each round, there was more and more damage to Imidia. It was just such uh, an interesting fight to watch because it, it was like Pereira was toying with him pulling off the, the multiple short-time kicks, landing them without without even a, a, a second thought, pulling off Superman punches, licking his own hand and, and showing Imidyev, I'm going to slap you with this hand, holding the hand out and then actually slapping the guy but on more than one occasion. Um... Like I said, this was, it was a shock that this got out of the first round. It was even more of a shock that it got into a third round. And it was a, the, the biggest shock of all was that he actually ended up getting finished. It, it looked like we were going to a decision. And with about 20 seconds to go, um, Pereira felt like him, he had enough. He, uh, he, he secured the takedown and, and got the, the rear naked. Now, looking back on the, on the uh, slow-mos... It doesn't actually look like Imadiev actually tapped. Uh, now, um, it's, it has been given as a tap. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Tognona uh, has given it as a tap. I don't think it was, uh, and I don't think the, the commentators kind of uh, thought that it was as well. But the fact remains is, even if he didn't tap, this guy got absolutely decimated. He's now what uh, lost his last three in the UFC after yeah. after a good start with uh, with two uh, picking up. Uh, oh no, he's lost his last three. That's all his UFC yeah, fights, isn't it? So he's very likely this guy's getting cut, uh, especially after being not only dominated but pretty much embarrassed by Pereira in this. That he had he had nothing for Pereira to, to even be worried about. And it's going to be exciting to see where Pereira goes. Now, he's on a, a three-fight win streak after um, after not making the best best impression in his first couple of matches. Uh, but yeah, um, that's an interesting fight. And this guy is probably going somewhere. My only concern is once you get to that higher echelon of fighters, if you come with this kind of showboating, you're going to get hurt and with who he called out at the end of the fight in uh, Jorge Masvidal. You attempt to do handcuffs to Jorge Masvidal, this guy's going to sleep you. He's going to give uh, you a free piece of So, pizza. yeah. Um, what, do you, what did you think of the fight, Carlos? Midyav, uh
1: straight away off the bat, he, even though he's got over 60 amateur boxing farts, he got outboxed and outstruck and outclassed on the feet through start to finish Um, he didn't have no offence and he didn't have no range of attack that was scaring Pereira to back up Mm -hmm. that's why what Med Pereira were doing all these flaunting all these showing off his floor bones um, because he he knew that there were no danger Um, obviously I'm I'm not calling him stupid he respected Mm. the power of um, of but at the end of the day Pereira knew that his his speed he had on him his head movement he had on him his footwork he had on him the technique he had on him
0: and not only the boxing the grappling is, and the ground game he had it he had, it was better in every every department
1: every department and his capoeira
0: is a next level now a lot of people
1: uh, can't use capoeira in their fighting style now this is one guy when if he when he fights Technically, and he's clever about it. He can implement. He can implement. his his capoeira perfectly into the game. Um, like you said, he, he pisses about a lot. So when he gets to these top level opponents, if you're not Anderson Silva, if you're not um, Israel Adesanya, like showing off can can get you. Like you said, can get you seriously hurt. Um, and especially against Masvidal, if you try and do that stuff with him. Um, but Pereira, the stuff he was doing tonight, obviously you can't take it away from him. You, you can't go mad at him for for showing off. He he outclassed him in uh, his own game, yeah. striking, um, and like not only that, he's he was well rounded. Uh, he so like I say, you can't you can't blame the guy for sure, off, and he was the better fighter, and he proved it. Um, but going on to some of the stuff he was doing in the fight. Where he was using his energy for absolutely nothing. Like, I counted four jumping knees, mm-hmm. four jumping knees,
0: and I think he only landed one of them. And well, that was a graze. I think the first, like the that. first two, he he literally pulled out as soon as he, he threw him, so it almost looked like he just was jumping for no reason. Well, the reason. first
1: time he did it, he got he basically got Superman fucking kicked, and mm-hmm. he, he ended up landing on his ass. Uh, but yeah, so it's 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 stupid thing like that in. When you're using them, outbursts of energy because it's not like Capoeira and these fighting styles are easiest to go about. Them are a fast movement, high pace, <laughs> and and big jumpy moves. Uh, so you're you're having to use a lot more of your muscles, a lot more stamina, and it's there's a uh, a lot more movement in them. of so, uh, uh, in them sort of moves that he does, yep, and um, he's
0: huge at welterweight. Definitely, he's huge. not the
1: smallest guy. So, and I guarantee he he does cut to get down to welterweight, and he's no doubt about it. If that if he can uh, can stay at that weight and be consistent as he is, just tone it down a bit with the shoreboard, and and I believe he's got a good, uh, possibly a good shot in that division. But we are. We are talking about the welterweight division here, but the likes of Jose Masvidal, you like Nate Diaz, Corby Corvington mm-hmm. Robbie Lawler, who's who caught me if I'm wrong, who's who's back pretty soon, who's having a fight. Um, obviously, you've got your Tyrone Woodley, who's back hungrier than ever. Yeah, Usman, yeah Usman, uh, Gilbert uh, Burns. So it's we're talking about one of them divisions where it's not thin. There is talent in that division, there's big names in that division, and there's killers in that division. So that's one of them divisions that is one of the hardest in the UFC. Mm -hmm. To not only work your way into the top five, but to work your way to that title shot is pretty much impossible if you're not on an absolute tear like Gilbert Burns were before, he got uh, a shot. And let's face it, the only reason he got E shot is because Tyrone Woodley was pissing about, and, and, and he didn't take the he didn't take the fight. So I believe, my personal opinion, he could work his way up to fight for a title shot. He just for me, he's got that that it's just that mystique about him that
0: that makes you wonder. He's dynamic. There's he? no two words about it. This guy is an exciting fighter to watch. For me, the issue is the showboating. Uh, as much as it will draw in casual fans and people are are like kind of like bedazzled by it it does look flashy it does look cool when when you're able to kind of almost mock your opponent but when you get to the likes of a, a Lola you get to the likes of a Masvidal you try that shit and these guys will start you so if Pereira is serious about wanting to be a big contender he can he needs to tone that down I'm not saying get rid of it entirely because that's part of his character oh, yeah. that's part of why that's, his... that's what's you people buy into him that's yeah. what makes him sell him tone cars. it down a little bit throw get a little bit more um, I mean it, and it may come naturally because he, he doesn't have the respect for the fighters that he's got now because he believes he's so much better than him I can f- understand that but when you get into the likes of a, a Colby Covington, as much as I don't like him, you've got to respect him as a as a as a fighter. And if you try this kind of stuff against the likes of him, you, you it's it's gonna it's gonna go very badly for you. Uh, so perhaps maybe if you are going to get a, a top ten, top fifteen fighter, cut the cut the the play acting out, concentrate on the fighting, and and you'll get there quicker. I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. But another thing about him,
0: uh,
1: he's he's not only is his part were were full of emotion coming into it with the way in them two pushing and shoving. Obviously, his last part against uh, Diego Sanchez, where he basically got he basically that's all basically, he got screwed over with a disqualification, mm-hmm. um, where Diego Sanchez was just being a poser. So uh, I can understand he had some ill feelings. Towards the judges, the Athletic State Commission, probably towards the UFC in self uh, But yeah, you were able to come, put on a show, put on a performance that, like you said, uh, casuals or love. Uh, and I, I, hope to God everyone who did tune into his fight did like it because, like I said to you personally, I were his biggest fan. But after this fight, I like him that little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fighters like that that get new fight, that get new fans in. Um, it's fighters like this that make people want to watch him either succeed or people want to tune in to watch this cocky broad guy get his teeth kicked in and it's just one of them and Dana White loves them sort of characters because it's just money in his eyes and not only money this guy can put on a show if he can get put up against people who will just stand and trade with him that will be a fun fart. What we haven't seen out of him is a lot of his um, ground game, if you will, against high level opponents. I'm not talking about the uh, I'd say the people who's not ranked in the UFC or his farts before the UFC. Um, but yeah, we can see that he can do it on the feet, but can he do it on the ground against your top level wrestlers? Yeah, well, time will
0: tell. Uh, but he's definitely making a, a big statement. Uh, and then going from that into the core main event, and these two fights couldn't be any different if they tried. Going from that, the, the very fast-paced, uh, um, kind of dynamic fight between uh, Pereira and, and uh, Imediev, we went to uh, Orvej uh dropping back down to light uh, heavyweight after his kind of like... Uh, ill fated dalliance in, in the headweight division. Uh, taking on Alonzo Menifield, uh, who he, the dude just looks like he's carved out of a piece of granite. He's just unreal. This guy's got muscles on muscles on I muscles. He said to you he like like a weight's inversion of fantasy guard. Yeah, exactly. And But that didn't fucking matter. No, absolutely not. Um <laughs> In terms of, of comparing it to the fight beforehand, it is, it's 9 eh? day. This was a very slow-paced fight. Uh, I, I made a comment to Carlos whilst we are watching this that it almost felt like St. Proust starts the fight tired mm. because his, his moves almost feel very, very laboured. But the fact is he's got a lot of power behind him. Um, uh, we start at the beginning with Manyfield um, uh, trying to rush uh, St. Saint, Saint uh But St. Proust, if there's one thing about him that he's excellent at uh, outside the grappling obviously it's keeping his distance and being able to control an opponent from from uh, from that distance and not getting sucked into like a, a dirty boxing type of fight and he did that a lot in this first round he was able to control that distance um there, there was a bit of a clinching up against the fence where there was not a lot of work between the two guys, and uh, uh, Herzog um, basically won the guys for for inactivity, and then they they broke away. Uh, Prior just just did really well to 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 keep the distance, uh, Manifield tried to mix it up uh, using uh, head kicks, but again, his head kicks seemed really very slow and laboured and, and uh, ovince was, was able to easily block it um, there was a, a couple of combinations from both guys um, again, it, just going into the end of the round, it was uh, pro just keeping the front kicks going, keeping the leg kicks going, and uh, and basically stuffing are uh, uh, really powerful and and quick hands. Uh, we got to the very last few seconds of the round, and Menefield did uh, land a few hard shots, but it was a uh, it was. Probably not enough to win the round, but it was a very, very close round uh, in terms of uh, in terms of scoring. But I did give the the first round to uh, Sempre coming out into the second, and it started a lot of the same. Uh, Sempre very almost calm, very like he wasn't phased at all. He didn't have that kind of um, that urgency to, to to push the pace. You know, uh, he was just happy to keep. Uh, Menfield at bay with the kicks uh, Menfield did start um start trying to push the pace a little bit more, and it actually ended up being to his to his disadvantage because the end comes when Menafield is pushing the pace and he 's really trying to back uh St up um almost gets a slip um which, which kind of give uh, the like the impetus to to maybe he was going to finish the fight, really land some combinations. But Saint Pierre just avoids the shots and almost does a, uh, a an Anderson Silver style ghost punch like on the back foot, like stepping away, lamps him with uh, with with the left and just drops Menifield clean out. Now this guy was asleep, fast asleep, and walk off fifty grand, thank you, Dana, over Saint Pierre back in the winning column. Definitely.
1: Um, his knockout was just like how oh, Stipe took the belt from Uh, uh Verdun mm-hmm. uh, where it was just literally on the back foot and the, basically the phantom punch out of nowhere yep. uh, well done to him uh, a guy who overtook Peru he's not had the, the easiest the the last couple of years in the UFC couple of wins, couple of losses not being able to keep it consistent he went up to last fight, went up to heavyweight um, unfortunately it didn't work out for him but like me and you said well like you said more than no, Um at least he'd give it a try at least it was an experiment he knew it worked for him time to go back down time to go back home uh, but like you said th- there's still some stuff in his game if he wants to be serious about making his because let's face it th- this is his final run as well this, he's not, not going to get another mm-hmm. run after this uh, in, the heavyweight, in the light heavyweight division um, but yeah, there's a couple of things to change about his game. One, like you he said, he's starting out. He starts out slopper. He he did get caught a couple of times in the exchanges in the first round. um against a guy um, uh, like Menafield, I'm saying his name now. Right? Manifield. Manifield. Uh, a guy like Manifield, Once if he cracks you, yeah, that's a that's a scary situation to be in. Now we know all the at Peru. Can take a punch. It, it took quite a few um, uh, Ben Rothwell's uh, mm-hmm. when he went up to heavyweight, um, and he were able to eat them on the chin and and still been able to fight back. So we know he can take punishment, uh, but it's not good being able to to keep taking that punishment
0: and not being and not doing something about it. Yeah, uh, it, it, it all adds up. It all. Uh, over your career, the punishment does take a toll. Yeah, definitely. And the,
1: one of his biggest problems is when I was watching, obviously, the fight tonight, is he wasn't setting, he, he wasn't setting his stuff up. Mm-hmm. That's why, for me, he was getting, was getting caught because uh, it was just a quick punch here, a quick kick here, a body, uh, a body kick here, a body push kick here. His signature left body kick. Um, but the one thing that he did find in the first round were just the straight right down the middle, and that he, he threw that a good three or four times. Uh, and I don't quote me from wrong. I do not think he missed one. Um, but yeah, going into the going into the second round, obviously found his confidence after the first round of being of uh, just picking uh, Manfield apart. Uh, going into the second round, I thought, right, this is going to be it now. Obviously, Peru's just gonna just gonna go in there, gonna pick him apart and finish him off. Got I wrong. Manafield came out and he he knew that he had to try and do something because he came out strong round one for thirty seconds. After thirty seconds, obviously, Peru just just took it after that. Mm-hmm. So he knew he had to do something to get back into the judges' eyes. Um, comes into round two after finishing strong uh, in round one. Uh, personal opinion I, I thought shit Oviset Peru's fucked it here now this is he's he's probably fucking one loss away from getting cut uh, but yeah uh, Manifield started going forward and Oviset Peru were able to just use his perfect timing and I'm, again fartle of like you and experience he were able to back pedal on the foot able for Manifield as soon as he were attacking and left himself open as soon as Manifield went in forward with that leverage and brought that left hand of his own up and dropped his right hand. Obviously, Peru, saw that basically phantom punch that we've seen Anderson Silva do loads of times. That phantom left hand punch got him on the chin and it was just, nah, nah, that, that job was
0: done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a it's a good uh, kind of comeback to that division for, obviously, at Peru And And uh, a comment that we were talking about uh, during the fight was, uh, was h- how excited he was to drop back down the weight, knowing that, that uh, the title is up for grabs and knowing that there's a, there's now no bones at the top of the tree and he could potentially work his way back into a, a title contention, especially knowing the fact he's got a win over one of the title contenders coming up. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Uh, we we uh, have, have have said that Bones leaving this division has really revitalised it, and people are kind of moving and and trying to position themselves in in almost like a game of chess to see who takes pot shots at the king. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting time in that division, and obviously Sempre has done well there to to keep himself in the in the conversation. Definitely,
1: that's uh, that belt is is up for grabs. We know where the two people are fighting for it. Dominic Reyes and, and Jan Blackovich. Um Whoever wins that fight is going to be... In, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to be keeping hold of the belt for a long time. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to have a, a dominant champion like we have had for Bournes for years. And but that that Don't get me wrong, that's not a bad thing. I think Bournes leaving the division is the best thing that could have happened for the light heavyweight division in the 21st century. Uh, with all the other divisions now basically moving on from your Anderson Silva, your Dominic Cruz, De- uh, Demetrius Johnson, your Velasquez, all your basically your big name champions, your Joe Saint Pierre, none of these are champions anymore. So you, your legends are moving on, and you're getting your fresh talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Light heavyweight was always was, was being that division where it sort of slipping, it sort of started getting into the dark ages because all these other divisions were revitalised all these fresh talent were coming through there were fresh faces but you still had
0: bonds in that division destroying everybody there there was a a ceiling there was definitely a ceiling and uh, you could get to maybe the second best in the world but you were always going to struggle you were always going to be second best yeah Okay. whereas now Bourne's moving up to heavyweight potentially I mean nothing's uh, fully set in stone yet but uh, the potential move up to heavyweight revitalizes not only the heavyweight division but it also revitalises the the live division so it's kind of a twofer uh so it going be exciting to see what what comes in in that division next but let's go into the heavyweight division with this main event uh augusta sakai's first ever main event fight first ever five round fight for the ufc taking on uh alistair over who's uh who's really wanted to do a uh, one final push for ufc goal before he he wraps up uh and this was very much for me a fight of two halves. I felt that uh, Augustus Sakar come out looking really positive, really aggressive. Uh, I I enjoyed watching his com uh, his combinations when he when he had uh, over him up against the cage. He did kind of uh, flaunt the rules a little bit when he was uh, grabbing the top of the cage to to kind of uh, overbear uh, over him. But when he was when he was throwing those combinations, he was landing. Ten, fifteen unanswered shots. Now, a lot of them obviously would have been would have been uh, hitting the arms of over him. But still, when you're throwing that amount of shots, you're doing some damage. And uh, I think Sakai had a very um, after a, a, a very nervy start for both fighters, I don't think they threw a shot in the first minute of a fight. Uh, they eventually did kind of um, kind of start throwing, but it was not like the kind of all-out pace that we're used to in a a heavyweight fight. It was very stop-start, a lot of uh, little bursts of of, of action and then a lot of um, kind of backing off and and, and kind of avoiding each other. Uh, In the first couple of rounds, I I felt that Sakaar took it for me uh, in both rounds, because of the combinations over him when he landed shots he did hurt uh, Sakai a lot more but he was only landing maybe one or two shots compared to um, to Sakai's 10 to 15 shots so for me just for the sake of volume I felt that uh, over, uh, Sakai took the first round and uh, the, the almost definitely took the second round he, he really kind of imposed his his will on over him in that second round really like uh Got him against the fence a hell of a lot. Landed those combinations, and whilst he wasn't doing a lot of huge damage, he did he did uh, cause a, a hematoma on on uh, on Overeem's uh, temple, a uh, little bit of a mouse popping up just in front of the ear. But then we get to the third round, and it was um, it was almost like a changing of the guard. Overeem really kind of come out. I think he might have realized that that Sakaz, shots weren't that powerful and if he could kind of like stem how many of them was was being thrown at him he still had a chance in this fight um and, and he, he kind of like upped his game now it's for for an over him fight he still wasn't quite the um it wasn't as as fast paced as we'd normally get with an over him fight. Uh but he, in the in the third he definitely started to switch up, definitely started to, to use that ground game a lot more which which won him the fight eventually. Uh once at once uh over him had Sakai on the ground Sakaar is very rudimentary when it comes to his ground game he, he wasn't able to to uh not only get rid of uh, over him from from like standing over him and, and landing uh, the ground pound but he wasn't also able to kind of get that boost of energy that you need to get back to your feet uh and that that is probably more to do with him being uh being a heavyweight and being quite a big heavyweight Uh, So at the end of the third round, uh, Sakaar looked absolutely beat up. Uh, Overeem was landing shot after shot after shot, really cut him up, going into the fourth round, and uh, Overeem knew that, that he had this far... He had this fight done, uh, did exactly the same kind of thing. He 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 weathered Sakar Stone with the combos, and when he had the opportunity, he he went for the takedown. And then in this fourth round, that, that takedown it lasted a hell of a lot longer than it did in the third round, and he was able to just dominate for those last two minutes, landing shot after shot, those glancing elbows just looked absolutely disgusting. Like they would they look like they could slash your face wide open. Uh, Sakai was able to kind of survive that by, just by the skin of his teeth um, and then going into into the fifth over him knew the game was up went straight for the take down gets the single leg straight away gets in half guard just absolutely wails on uh, Sakai Sakar turtles ended up eating the hammer fist and, and Herb Dean waved it off it was a great fight Sakai really really impressed me um, but after that, over him with a, a very, very good victory, especially going into the fight, he was the underdog. Coming out of the second round, I think the betting odds went to like uh, plus 400 for over for, uh, him. So he, he went m- from being a, a, a slight underdog to a massive underdog to, to coming out and picking up the victory. It's a good victory for, for Alistair over him. Definitely. The
1: one good thing about Alistair, what he's shown in this part, is experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sakai, in Sakai impressed me with his heart and his determination, and his they, cardio.
0: I think his cardio in those first two rounds, because he's got a belly. Let's let's, yeah, let's it's not beat around the bush. Better. He doesn't. He's not ripped and torn. like over him is this guy is is got a, he's got a go. He can. He's got the look of your everyday fat. He looks a, a lot like Mark Hunt. Yeah, Uh, but he has cardio. He had amazing cardio for at least those first two rounds. It it kind of did break down in the third when over him, like I said, his experience took over and he knew he was down on the card. He knew he had to up his game, and that's that's what it were. He over him has levels, and I don't think Sakakwa has that just yet. Definitely. Uh, as Well,
1: Saka like I say, he his cardio's there. He he. he were able to show that, even though he says that this was a, a five-round fight, this was this was a four-round fight, I thought the we rep were going to stop it at the end of the fourth round, just for how the fuck Sakai were. Yeah. He, he knew exactly what was going to happen. It only went on for another 20, 26 seconds or something like that in the, in, when he went into the fifth round before it got waved off. But the experience of um, over him, he knew Sakai were going to come in swinging, he knew it were a five round fight and he knew that if he went into a swinging, uh, a slugfest with him in the early, he knew that we were going to get knocked out. He knew that Saka would have took that fight uh, from the from the bell. So he did the perfect thing. He covered up. He knew we were going to take damage, but he did his best to not take as much damage. And if he did, his arms were taking more of the impact than anything. Mm-hmm. Still a dangerous way to do it, but at the end of the day, experience comes into it. Sakai's problem when he was basically falling into over his trap, because him wanted him to use all the energy. Over him wanted him to just start hitting him, hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and hitting him, and he wasn't hitting him. He wasn't he wasn't connecting with him. It was he was hitting him on the arms, um, and over him knew that, so over him let him do that. What Sakai would start doing in the fur when he realised, hang on a minute. When you realise, when he got and Overeem was trying to bait him in to the cage. He started slowing down on his punches. He started looking. Hang on a minute, I can get one through that gap. I can get an uppercut here. Oh, hang on a minute, he's also got a body. I can hit him to the ribs here,
0: and that's what he did. Mm. He, he those, those those kicks to the the gut. You could tell they every single one of them affected Saka
1: Yeah, every like every one of them uh, affected him, and that's how he knew. And I. His coaches should have helped him straight away, and I, it's a, I know it's easy for me now to say when the fight's done and over. with it's a, a, a hard job being a coach, it's a hard job being a fighter. The, the nerves he's got in there to be in, in your first main event uh, under a year. Um, I don't, I don't think that should be easy for anyone. I wouldn't expect it to be easy for anyone. Uh, but the experience now, what he can take out of this is for next time is. Don't, don't just go in raging. It's your, it's your main event. It means a lot. You're starting to get up the ranks now. You, you, you've broke into the top ten. You, you can't just go in there thinking to myself, if I go in there, oh, rah, I'm gonna knock him out. Mm. And I'm, you're not Francis Ngannou. And look at Francis Ngannou when he got to the top. He quickly realised, hang on a minute, this, this sort of fighting style don't work because I've just been tucked down and I've just been punched in the face about 50 times. That's fuck all I can do about it. So that's uh, the one thing. Uh, the one thing that uh, I say Sakaar needs to, needs to do is need to go back uh, to the drawing board. Take this this loss as a learning curve. Slow his game down a bit because he's still young. He's only 30, and eh? mm-hmm. um, even though he hasn't beat big names, is is still be a legend in. Um, Vol- uh, not Volkanovsky. Um I'll tweet it but yeah then obviously he's been in there with, with uh, a, another big name now with um, uh, Alistair Overeem. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah so enough about him Alistair Overeem congratulations for the win he were able to show the experience he needed and were able to get take it all the way to the, the end he the perfect experience that he knew that Sakaar was still stronger than him going into the fourth. So he knew, hang on a minute, I'm not going to knock this guy out on the feet. This guy can take a punch on the feet and he, he can clearly take some punishment. He's got hot. He level changed. He took him down. Now, you got to give it to uh, Daniel Colmier when he was trying to give so He's like, it's not the correct technique, but if it works, it works. It's like, motherfucker, well, that works. That's, <laughs> that's the correct technique now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were able to somewhat a single leg and, and swinging that all the way around, if you would, uh, and he were able to keep that position and land his, land his own ground and pound, the bell saved uh, Saka. Um he were able to come out for the fifth round straight away without even thinking, over him knew at the end of round four what worked for him, taking him down the ground and pound, so there were no fucking about, over him knew at the fifth round, touch gloves, Tech him down grounding pound it's going to be over at some point and that's exactly what happened took him down a couple of elbows later it's after attack hour a bloody mess fat got waved off alistair over him is a man of his word and
0: he's still on the hunt for that one last shot at the gold yep he absolutely is uh so next week's card i mean ufc just keeps coming with uh with uh these cards i mean the, the COVID era, if anything, has made UFC more active. Uh, we we used to get maybe like three or four sh- uh, shows in a row and then a week off. I don't think we've got a week off now till like the middle of November. Uh, but that's that's all well and good for us here at Five Rounds, uh, especially when it comes to next week when we'll have some uh, very exciting news for you uh, in, oh. in terms of uh, what's coming up for the podcast. Um, but, yeah, next week's show, UFC fighting at 177. There's only actually two confirmed fights for this card so far. Uh, oh, hang on a minute. Who's, who's on that fight? We've got Michelle Watson versus Angela Hill uh, as as the main, and the core main is uh, Billy Quarantillo taking on Carl Nelson. But there's a lot of rumoured fights, and just going through some of the rumoured fights, if, if we get... Any of these, it's going to be a fun card. We've got Roxanne Modiferia potentially taking on Andrea Lee, Matt Schnell and Tarson Nam, uh, Frank Camacho and Brock Weaver, uh, Roosevelt Roberts and Matt Frivola, Bobby Green and Alan Patrick. Sajara uh, Eubanks um, doing a very quick turnaround, taking on uh, Julia Avila and Ed Herman against uh, Matt Rodriguez. So if we get some of those fights on this card, it's going to be another banger of a card. Um, so yeah, tune in next week to to hear that. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos. Keep your eyes peeled on Five Rounds Pod on on twitter for for the latest uh news in in terms of of the podcast and where we're taking it in uh in the rest of 2020 going into 2021. Uh thank you all for listening. That is the end. Adiós amigos. Thechairshot.com always use your head.
1: With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky
0: just about anywhere.